Hello and welcome to episode 8 of the Mountain Ground podcast. For today, we have a special addition to the team, Megan, which we'll introduce you to a bit later. And we have Friedrich here today. Unfortunately, Mountain Abandon will not be joining us today. They are in the Jagensburg at the time of this recording. We do look forward to hearing how that trip in the Jagensburg went. And um, in the next episode, we'll get some feedback from them. So in today's episode, we will be discussing everything coffee processing related. You've probably seen a coffee where it says processed and it says washed, natural or honey processed. And you've probably wondered if the bean is clean or not. And that's not entirely true. And we will be explaining what that actually means. Then we will be introducing you to Megan chatting away on a shot in the dark, uh, how things have been progressing there uh, and then how actually your coffee, coffee processing method impacts your flavor and how you roast the coffee and then we'll be chatting away on the latest trends within the space of coffee processing. Um, so yeah, I think as a starting point, let's uh, introduce you to Megan. So Megan is the latest addition to the Gegrond family. Um, she uh, comes from a coffee background slash medical background <laughs> slash surfing background and um, yeah she is so Megan can you maybe just give the listeners a bit of an overview of yourself and your role here at Gegrond okay so I'm Megan uh, Utley in case anyone struggles to pronounce yes. my surname uh, I was born in 1993. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> okay, so basically, um, yeah, I'm Megan. I come from quite a, I would call a baby coffee background. Um, but I got really excellent training and mentorship from one of the top baristas in South Africa. So that's where I come into the Gegrond family. Um, but me as a person, uh, I got through halfway through med school and I decided that uh, a good cup of coffee can save lives so that's my life mission now is to save lives through making really good coffee and I find that Gegrond does that probably daily so <laughs> <laughs> yeah so just me as a person I love um, not as adventurous as Peter and Frederick so you won't find me running in the Drakensberg on mountains I'm a bit clumsy so that would be the end <laughs> Um, but you'll definitely find me happily on a beach surfing, uh, competing in sports. I really enjoy sports a lot. Um, obviously, enjoying s small things like fishing and stuff like that. Um, yeah, and you'll also often find me competing in Call of Duty online. <laughs> One of the few girls that uh, take the flack that comes with that. Um, yeah, and then just spending time with my husband um he's been really lovely and supportive through my coffee journey so it's been great yeah well we can definitely say that uh you know you're quite diverse from saying you're not outdoors to listing all the things you do outdoors <laughs> and then on top of that having <laughs> call of duty so um no it's an absolute uh you know we are thrilled to have you on board and um <clears throat> yeah for those out there if you ever want to reach out to us to discuss like coffee training or you know uh, Megan 
would be more than happy to help you guys out and um, no like i said really just stoked to have you on board so now back to the a shot in the dark so i think if you're new to this podcast, The Shot in the Dark is the competition where it's basically the Olympics of coffee roasting in South Africa. So I don't know, that, that's just the nationals. Okay, fine. It's the nationals of coffee roasting in South Africa. Um, last year, we took the, the, the top spot and we now are in the process. We've, roast, we've received the green beans, which we are tasked to roast. And Frederick and the team has done, a, and Leonard and Megan have done a great job and they've submitted the, yeah, basically the coffee that will be judged and we are waiting for the top 10 to be announced, which if I recall correctly, it's at Creative Coffee Week, which is in a week's time, the 27th or 9th. What's the, Frederick, what's the official date for? Hey everyone. Frederick, yeah, I've just been sitting silently in the background <laughs> listening to Megan introducing herself. I must say, uh, taking on the boys in Call of Duty is definitely not an easy task. Mm-hmm. You can imagine there's a lot of ridicule, so well done. Um, Peter, like you said, uh, Shot in the Dark placing will be announced at Creative Coffee Week next week. Um, that's a top 10 placing, so it's the first round of, of roasting. Then if we place in the top 10, fingers crossed, we'll receive the coffees for the second round. Not sure if that will run in the same manner as last year. They haven't communicated exactly what will happen in the second round, but we are excited and we are positive. Yeah, and I mean like... Leonard. Sorry, like, I just want to give everyone a bit of a background. This was a really challenging coffee to roast. Uh, I think we've said it in our mailer... We've been very vocal about it. It has not been the easiest coffee to roast, but a week or so ago, I was in a, I was quite lucky, and someone brought me one of the final roasts that um, has been submitted, and I was blown away. It was really one of the most interesting, complex, sweet coffees that I've had in a while. And um, so, yeah, just from mind, you guys have done an incredible job. No matter the results, um, I think you guys can be really proud of of that roast. Thanks, Peter. Um, yeah, definitely credit to Leonard for doing the roasting. I think obviously, like everything, I'm not really good with team sports, but I feel like grand uh, <laughs> team sport is... <laughs> We're doing well. Um, But yeah, that coffee is quite interesting. We struggled to get the complexity out of it. It was kind of... It's a Tanzania from the Ngorogoro crater. And um, like any Tanzania, you expect citric notes and um, a bit of acidity. But we just couldn't really find a lot of acidity in it. And we also only found like really notes of citric flavor. And, um, but eventually it was quite interesting the way that we, we found the roast profile that we used. Um, it's completely, it's, it's the first way that we roasted this way. And it was kind of by accident that we found out about this profile. Um, Megan and I, we went through to Hostex with Evan from Mulwix, um, and Brandon from Mulwix as well. And we, went to listen to Stevo Kuhn compete at the Nationals 
And he was talking about his coffee and he was mentioning it's a really dense coffee, which is kind of exactly what we received. This Tanzania is quite dense. It's a washed coffee. Um, so he's competing and he, he mentioned that the coffee was roasted in, in Switzerland, the one that he was using, and that this, this roastery has a very specific way of roasting dense coffees. Um, and what they basically do is just before first crack, they increase the the energy in the roast to the maximum amount. Um, he didn't disclose any specifics, but that's basically all he said. Um, contrary to what everyone does generally is you taper down the gas closer to first crack because first crack is that exothermic reaction. You don't want to burn the coffee. Um, but yeah, we, we called Leonard. We said, listen, try this. <laughs> we don't really know exactly what to do, but, but, but try something in, in, in this line. And that's exactly what he did. And yeah, the coffee came out really complex and a lot more flavor. Really beautiful. Yeah, no, that is definitely, like I said, it was great. Um, I had it at the top of current uh, two, two Hill, which is the highest mountain in Ireland on Monday morning. <laughs> so uh, obviously before that also as well, but uh, I, I remember thinking that's this is really a great coffee. Um, but yeah, fingers crossed, we would definitely be happy with uh, top 10 in, in in this year's so shot in the dark. And um, yeah, so like uh, Frederick was saying that, so in that instance, that was a washed coffee. Um, and basically that means something in the coffee world. Um, and I'm going to try and explain on as simple as I possibly can what the coffee processing is all about. But before I get there, I think it's really important just to understand what a coffee cherry looks like. And, you know, if you basically, you know, what the different layers of this cherry entails and then ultimately what the pro the purpose of the processing method is. Okay, so firstly, it's just like the name said, it is actually a cherry. It looks like a cherry. It's red. Uh, well, if you try it, it's red. <laughs> Otherwise, it's green. And then, um, you know, then so you have on the outside, you have the fruit. Okay, and then this is usually very, it's a quite moisture, sugary, fleshy pulp type of thing. So just underneath the skin, sorry, on the skin, then you have the, the pulp and, um, you know, that's usually called like the mucilage. Um, and then it's usually sticky and um, yeah, so so that's the first, first part of it. And underneath this uh, pulp, you basically get a little small film called the silver skin so you have the the cherry outside the cherry you have the skin then you have the pulp and then you have the um the silver skin and then you get to the real center and the heart of the coffee cherry which is the two beans um sometimes there's only one but usually there's two <laughs> and um and then once you've actually gotten to that point um a fundamental part of roasting coffee is to reduce the moisture content to about 9 to 12 percent uh, before you actually roast the coffee so and that's where the different processing methods actually comes to play um, so if you look at the main methods of processing coffee you get three methods of processing coffee you get the nat you get the natural processed coffee you get the pulp natural processed coffee and you get the washed uh, processed method uh, for uh, processing coffee. 
And for the natural um, method of processing coffee is that you basically dry out the whole cherry. So the pulp on the outside, you basically dry the cherry up to a certain moisture content and then only afterwards do you actually remove the pulp uh, from the coffee cherry. And then you get the second one, which is which is the uh, pulp natural coffee, which is generally that could also be referred to as a honey processed coffee. So in this method of, of processing, you basically, you've removed the, uh, the pulp, you, and then what's left is this uh, bit of mucilage. I always struggle with that word. <laughs> and that's the sticky part on the coffee bean. And you then leave it on a basically, I don't know, what's the best way? Maybe what would be the best way to describe that? It's, it's, it's like a sieve type of thing. It's it's basically a sieve where you would be drying out the... The raised beds. Raised beds. Yeah, the African that's raised beds, yeah. African raised beds, yeah. that's, the, that's the one. So And then you'd basically be drying it, um, and that's generally called a, a honey processed coffee um, or a... A processed natural coffee, a pulp natural coffee, and then depending on how much mucilage you've left on it, it can be either a black or a yellow or you know different honey processed uh, coffee, and then you get the washed coffee. So the washed uh, coffee process is basically you've removed the pulp, which is the outer skin and the flesh, and then the beans with the mucilage you would be adding into a basically a, a container, a fermentation container. So you use fermentation to remove the mucilage. And um, within that container, uh, the reaction of the water starts removing the mucilage. And depending on, you know, how much, well, depending on the climatic conditions, um, it, that will vary how long that fermentation process actually takes place. So does that make, so I hope that makes sense to everyone in terms of the three main methods of processing coffee uh, on our what we at the moment have to offer is you know we we have more natural actual coffee uh, natural processed coffee so like our Timor Leste, our Brazil Cerrado, our Colombia Al Puente, uh, our Burundi uh, those all, oh, sorry, not our Burundi um, so our Colombia, Brazil and uh, Timor Leste um, all natural processed and then we also have the Tanzania and the Burundi both which which are um, um, washed uh, processed coffees so um, so yeah that's basically a run through for, of the three main methods for processing coffee I think the important thing for all of us to know is that in 2015 a really well-renowned barista called Sasa Sastic used a method, a processing method called carbonic maceration, which we'll get to a bit later. But I think that kind of made the whole world sit up and pay attention to all these different processing methods and how flavors can be changed. Because at the end of the day, coffee is coffee, right? Like it's, you can only do so much with it. So farmers can't completely change their land, but what they can do is change their processing method. So I just want to, for those people that aren't complete coffee like freaks like me <laughs> or professional like me, when we refer to flavors in coffee, we often, or how we taste coffee is we refer to the amount of sweetness, the amount of body, the amount of acidity, 
at the flavors that we find in it and then the finish. So this can just help people understand a little bit better about the actual processing methods. All right, so the natural or the dry processing, it's generally seen as being quite inexpensive because um, as we said, we're literally just letting it do its natural thing and degrade on its own. Okay, and that's generally found in parts of the world where water access is a bit difficult. So I think Ethiopia and Brazil is probably a good example to use. Okay, so natural processing used to be pretty much sets out for low quality or coffee that wasn't ripe. So it got a bit of a bad rep. Okay, but now we are now starting to find really nice natural coffees. And that's because what farmers are doing is by using natural processing, we're actually getting the flavor from the actual coffee fruits itself and not so much just the seed. All right, so that's where we get a lot of fruity flavors from, right? Because coffee is actually fruit and it contains sugars. So natural coffees generally can have hints of blueberry and strawberry and tropical fruits. Okay, but like the downside of that can be that we can land up with a bit of wild and fermented flavors and even some manure. So it does take a bit of a challenge for farmers to make sure that they don't have coffee that literally tastes like manure. <laughs> okay, but high quality coffees that are now natural are changing the coffee landscape. Okay, and that can be a bit polarizing for people. But we get these beautiful high quality coffees from lots that are changing people's opinions. They're super sweet and fruity. Okay, um, but if we have one bad lot from a farmer, it can obviously discourage them from purchasing and processing it the same way again. So it's quite a hard thing. But we can generally expect nice, diverse, bold and fruity flavors that are inherited from the actual fruit on the coffee bean or the seed. Okay, and it's going to have a heavier body because there's more sugar in it. Okay, so we can expect a full-bodied coffee with notes of citrus and lime acidity. Okay, and then strong, sweet, strawberry jam-like flavors. Okay, so just because it's all the actual fruit that's on the coffee and then a mixture of the seed. Okay, when we get to wet processing, people will often refer to a clean cup. And that's not because it actually got washed. It has more to do with the actual flavors. <laughs> Okay, so it's they use the word yeah yes. Um, <laughs> I just would say in the in like before the natural uh, uh, natural processed coffees and uh, you know and the honey processed coffees became a thing, like there was a perception that you know washed coffees are generally more expensive and well sought after because the coffee looks a little bit different and you know that was generally perceived as having being a good quality which actually has changed quite substantially in the last probably what say 50 or so years um so so yeah just just thought i'd throw that fun fact in there <laughs> no you're completely right the the perfect example of an expensive washed coffee is a geisha yeah literally it's going to come up now so don't stress <laughs> Okay, so the reason why we call uh, washed coffees clean is because we are basically only really tasting the flavor that's in the seed. Okay, and that's why they refer to it being clean. All right, they're generally well balanced, they're quite complex, okay, and they have a bit of a renounced acidity. Okay, and they have a silky, delicate, tea-like um, body. And then the range of notes that you get from it can be from star fruit through to deep, hot, uh, deep dark chocolate. Okay, so, but it's more commonly floral and not as commonly fruity. Okay, because we're not tasting the actual fruit from the coffee bean as uh, the coffee itself. 
Right, so this is also found in Latin America and Africa where water is abundant. So if you think of a place like um, Tanzania where they have Mount Kilimanjaro, they can actually use the water that will naturally flow off the mountain range to wash their coffees. Okay, so because, because the coffee um, fruit is basically washed off, which is not 100% correct, but it's technically washed off, Okay, we are literally tasting what is in the actual seed and therefore in the soil that the farmer grows it in. Okay, so like I say, clean doesn't necessarily mean it's better. It just means that the flavors in washed coffees are much, they're not really masked by the fruit. So you, do, you have to be a bit more of a coffee connoisseur to pick up flavors in wet and washed processed coffees because they, they're not as muffled as it is in a fruit fruity uh, dry dry processed coffee. Okay, so uh, they generally don't have as much acidity, but they can build acidity through the fermentation process, which the farmer will have to monitor quite carefully. Okay, they are balanced and complex, and they generally have a delicate body. Okay, and that is what makes them more, more wanted, and that's what makes a geisha so incredibly sought after in the world and expensive. It's because it's delicate, it's got a floral quality, and it, the body is like tea, which is completely the opposite of what we do in coffee, right? Coffee should taste like coffee, but there's a market for coffees that <laughs> taste like tea. <laughs> Yeah, I okay. think we, we had a um, Ethiopian underracha a while ago, and that was also quite tea-like. Um, it did really well. Yeah, so when, when I refer to things like body, um, I'd like the listeners to think of when you take a sip of, let's say, water versus a sip of mango juice. When you refer to, bo refer to body, that's actually what we're referring to. So when you drink coffee, like a cappuccino, obviously it's thick, it tastes like mango juice, but when you drink a V60 with something that has very little oil in it, it will probably taste more like tea. Mm -hmm. Okay, so then we've lastly got honey processing, which um, is basically we're using a mixture between the two, right? So we're leaving a small amount of the actual pulp on. So you are still getting some jammy and sugary notes from the actual fruits of the coffee. Okay, we're getting a creamier body than we would in washed. Okay, but not as not as thick as if it's in dry processing. Okay, and it's not as acidic as washed, or they don't think the quality is as high as natural. Okay, so that refers to the body of the coffee. Okay, so it's also nice for our learn our listeners to know that not all acidity is bad. Sometimes you need acidity in coffee to help balance it out. Okay, and this again happens in regions of Brazil and Central America. Okay, so typically a honey processed coffee would have a creamier body, a muted acidity, and often can taste like honey. Okay, so you might get a strawberry jam or a raspberry jam flavor, but never blueberry. Okay, that belongs to dry processing. Right, so you might, you'll get orange citrus, but you will never get citrus that's as hectic as like a lemon. Right, so I just also want to note that coffee is very subjective. <laughs> So it's up to each person to decide what they like. So this is just an educational segment. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone is having a crack now because I changed the, the camera. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, that's my, that's my little bit on how the flavors are affected. I hope that made sense. <laughs> no, um, Megan, like that was really informative. Um, I think it's, a, it's an important point that you made at last 
you know, sometimes you might think you're going to get a certain flavor profile because a coffee has been natural processed or washed. Uh, it's like, you know, these these are just indicators. Um, you do get exceptions and uh, varietals and like there's so many, you know, there's so much coming into play the way it's been roasted as well. Um, so there, there, there's quite a lot going on when it comes to coffee, but I hope, you know, like it was, it, I, I thought that was a really good summary of, you know uh, the different methods and how that changes the the coffee uh, flavor profile um and um yeah i think you've briefly so megan briefly mentioned the anaerobic uh fermentation or carbonic fermentation i was thinking we we might get that uh towards the back end but i think it might be worthwhile to just mention that you know there's there's quite a lot going on in the processing method and the two more the latest methods but they're also they're, i wouldn't say they they're cutting edge at the moment but they there's a definitely um it's a more a new method of processing coffee is the anaerobic and carbonic fermentation methods so in the beginning we mentioned the washed coffee processing method where basically the mushelich is is fermented in containers with water so in the anaerobic fermentation that same process is followed but basically that fermentation tank is sealed and then all the oxygen is removed um, so it does quite a few things it for one it's you know where on a wash coffee it can be anything say 9 to 24 hours um, but you can actually now do the fermentation process that can go up to 96 hours before you know it starts producing uh, alcohol so ethanol i guess um, but you know um, basically what the thought behind this processing method is is that it pushes the flavors and the juices and the pulps and so forth or the mucilage back into the bean uh, using high pressure in the tank um, and again like if we need to have a bit of a summary of of the tastes is like it's creamy silky texture complex a bit of a wild acidity um, and then notes of cinnamon flower but you know like i've experienced some that has quite a bourbon type of flavor to it it's quite actually per prominent and thick flavors as well so um you know it's not just limited to these to these um, um tasting notes um then carbonic maceration method so this method is basically the same as an aerobic fermentation method with the key difference between the two is that um, the carbonic maceration is it takes the whole coffee fruit and then places it in the fermentation tank and rather so it has the pulp and everything still around so the whole cherry goes into the fermentation tank and then the same process is followed with the anaerobic fermentation method which is that you remove the oxygen from the tank by uh, by basically pumping at the bottom uh, carbon dioxide in um, and I think Megan you've mentioned that you know in 2005 this is actually started by Sasya Sistik <laughs> and uh, he was the world Sasa barista Sistik. champ in 2005 for Australia um, so he really started some some of this and um, what's quite interesting is the the management of temperature in this processing method and um how that impacts flavor so there's a general perception that you know uh, say between four and eight degrees uh, the coffee becomes a bit more complex acidic and uh you know the acidic is quite delicious if you 
like acidity, <laughs> which I do. And then, uh, you know, if the fermentation is done between 18 to 20, there's uh, less acidity and more sweetness and fruitiness. Um, and then after this process has gone through, then you can decide if you want it to follow a natural coffee process or honey-dried uh, coffee process. So there's, a, there's one further step to this. Um, and then there's also, there's new things happening, <laughs> which is more cutting edge, I would say, is like the lactic process um, where bacteria is added. Um, so so there's, there's quite a lot happening at the moment in terms of coffee processing. Uh, but other than like the processing of the coffee, it does also have an impact on how you would approach a roast. Uh, Frederick uh, at the beginning talked about the density of coffee, but the processing method can also sometimes give you a bit of a indication of how you would approach a roast. Yeah, so definitely um, when roasting a coffee, you need to look at it holistically. So the density of a coffee obviously gives you an idea of how to approach it. Um, that's usually impacted by the the um, altitude that the coffee grow, uh, was grown at. And the processing method also has quite a big impact. So when approaching a coffee, usually natural coffees is, is quite delicate. And with natural coffees, I will include honeys because that's, that's very much the same. Um, and you want to preserve, you, you don't want to attack them with heat. So you want to approach it quite delicately to preserve the sweetness of the cup. Um, but like all things coffee, the sugars, you also want to, you, you want to properly uh, develop them through the Mellard reaction to get a, a really nice sweet coffee balanced um, while still retaining the flavor. So that's what with a natural becomes quite important is you, is you, you want to convert those sugars but you also want to retain the flavor. So approaching it a bit delicately, a bit lower temperatures, you might extend the roast a little bit um, to get a bit more um, development of the flavors and then yeah, kind of retain all the added benefits from, from the mucilage that was entered into the bean. While with a washed coffee, you need to attack it <laughs> first. you need to go at it quite hard <laughs> so generally let's let's work on like a two kilogram batch with a, a natural coffee we'll typically start roasting at about 170 degrees maybe even once between 160 and 170 and with a washed, washed coffee i'll generally approach it around 180 so you already have uh 10 to 20 degree difference at the start of the roast um, if that coffee is dense you'll maybe even bump that up with like five degrees because the denser coffee is you it's kind of um, what's the word I'm looking for it develops differently because there's less air in it there's less there's less air gaps so the the temp the the heat kind of travels through the bean more efficiently but um yeah so with like a shot in the dark 
changing the profile to bringing maximum heat in just before first crack was was a new thing for us so i think it's it's also important to keep an open mind it's there's no fast rule or right rule to roast the coffee it depends on what you want to get out of it but it definitely gives you good guidelines to know what coffee you're working with um Obviously, the darker you go, the less acidic the coffee becomes, but the more bitter it becomes. So um, that's also something to bring into consideration when roasting. Mm. Well, I think it's it's a valid point that you mentioned there, uh, Frederick. It's it's you know be having a bit of an openness and not just rigidly following what's always been done. You know, you can obviously see on the processing. You know, there was a, a big perception that washed coffees are the be all and end all. And if you if you don't process your coffee using this method, then it's just regarded as substandard. And um, you know, and it's the same with the coffee roasting. You know, if if the if you aren't open to challenging how things have always been done and actually doing things a bit differently, you know, how can you expect? You know, how do we actually progress and learn more? And um, you know, I mean, how many roasts did we do for that shot in the dark? And you know, it was. You know, and we just did a few things more of the same, a few things a little bit different, but within these these almost like known ranges and textbook ranges and, you know, a little bit of lessons learned from the past. But, you know, as soon as you put yourself out there to do things a little bit differently, you know, the results can be extraordinary. And I think also going to one extreme to the other teaches you exactly, you know, it really just owns in on that diff it owns on it owns in on that one variable that you change and then you really understand what impact it has on you know the uh, roasting of coffee or even if you um if you if you're preparing a coffee like b60 or whatever you know like just changing that one variable can make a big impact so now on to what your favorite processing method is and if you have to only drink one processed method for the rest of your life which would that be so i'm going to start ladies first megan <laughs> so you know like i like drinking coffee and then figuring out finding out afterwards what was actually written on the box i don't like to judge a coffee you know before i've tasted it like you don't read a, read a book by its cover but I must admit, uh, natural coffees have really been something that I've enjoyed lately. Um, I really love some of the complex fruity flavors that you can get. I always tell people it's strange that like after a long day of tasting espresso-based coffee, I actually just want something that tastes more like tea. Mm. <laughs> so it kind of seems weird. Why would I want a coffee that tastes like tea? And Because it's lacquer. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think natural, natural, natural African coffees would be my like go-to. Uh, yeah, so yeah, I would, I would, I, th I think the one thing to remember is, is there's so many brewing methods that even if you need to choose just one, you can just change it up and get so much different stuff out of it, which is awesome. Oh, but yeah, um, I would, uh, yeah, Pete. No, go for it, Frederick. Your processing method of choice. <laughs> I would say a honey. Um, we haven't had many honeys at Gegrond yet. 
think we we had a Costa Rica, and I think there was one of other one that we had in the past. But um, yeah, definitely honeys from like South America. Nice, like, uh, but like a dark honey or just a black honey, or a, just a nice like a <laughs> yellow. <laughs> white honey like a red honey okay a red honey okay no good uh well i want to there's a part of you that wants to be a bit different and throw out the anaerobic fermented coffee uh which in all fairness i especially at the beginning i did really like that because uh, it was the flavors were quite out there um so it was something completely different and um you know i was just blown away with the flavor profiles that you get um but yeah um i think i think i would go with megan i am aligned with the natural african coffees like i just i just do really enjoy them and you know we, i remember specifically that zambia um you know that we had in stock that one still is is my favorite to date um so i'm hoping we can get a bit more of those in uh so yeah maybe it's because i'm in ireland and i just you know i just feel like i need some african coffees to come in you know like <laughs> all the natural african coffees um, we need to but we need to cue the toto toto africa song <laughs> the podcast yeah <laughs> i'm gonna do that i'm gonna have a, a, a morning rit, uh, ritual where it will be like a zambia coffee with that toto african song <laughs> no, but, uh, yeah but thanks guys this has been really great uh it's been a good chat and um you know it's yeah it's good to catch up here are things are going with just shot in the dark and um you know um if there's any uh, we've mentioned it in the past episode as well but if there's any feedback that you guys have for us or you know specific topics that you would like us to discuss uh we are on instagram and facebook just drop us a line or reach out to us on email um and we would be happy to take on board um some suggestions so thanks everyone yeah oh, thanks guys it was fun talking to you guys like always um, just the one note, actually. So the Gegrond team is heading to Maghuba's Um We are going to pick coffee cherries and go through the whole processing of the coffees this weekend. So we'll be sure to bring some cherries back as well. So if there's anyone that really is keen to, to get some cherries to kind of see what it looks like, hit us up and... We can definitely arrange something. Otherwise, join us on one of our coffee tastings at um, Hazeldean Brewing Company on in the start of August. Just look on the social media for that info. Oh, awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. Hopefully, I'll be on here more often than not. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was really cool. And uh, I hope I didn't confuse anyone with my super scientific approach to coffee but just drink it and enjoy it guys that's that's what it's all about <laughs>